0: Hello, this is James Rice, and this is the Colshack's Loop podcast. Now, go chase the truth like your life depends on it, because it does.
1: After my enlightening conversation with the beautiful Helen Surtees, I ran a check through tax records and business licenses. The Max Match Dating Service was almost brand spanking new. No one knew where it came from or what other branches it had. It seemed to me that such mysterious
2: origins warranted what we in the press call... The Midnight Interview.
1: So I remember going on the Seattle tour underground and thinking it was a bit creepy. And I have a distinct recollection of the fact that my father would see places like this. He also saw Maude Adams when we were in Virginia City because we would camp very often during the summer. And he would see something, and he usually would carry notepads or he'd carry a recorder, and he would see things that would Galvanized his imagination, taking notes, et cetera, which he would take with him. And I always thought like that. I know I'm diverging a little bit, but I always thought it was interesting that with the duel, that even as he was being chased ostensibly by a horrific truck, he was also, I know my daddy was probably writing notes and he went in notes and like, man, chase the truck, you know, could be dangerous. <laughs> you know, he's always, his imagination was always going. So that, I know we went to Seattle. And we went on that tour, and that absolutely caught his imagination.
2: Allie Matheson is one of four children of Hall of Fame science fiction novelist and screenwriter Richard Matheson. She's an outstanding, successful writer in her own right. But her scary pursuits only go as far as her hugely popular Disney production, Halloween Town, appropriately covered with us in this episode, So Close to Halloween. Thank you so much for joining us um, to remember your dad's role as one of the most prolific and successful science fiction writers of all time. Allie, welcome to Shack's Loop. Thank
0: you. Yeah, we're glad uh, to have it's you. It's an
1: honor to be here. Thank you.
0: Go ahead, yeah, we're glad. Yeah, no, we're glad to have you. And uh I know Robert he's going to probably cover a lot of the the shacky sort of I guess when he was younger sort of stuff, but I actually had I was looking through some of your stuff and there's a lot of stuff that uh that I remember from my childhood that you did. Uh look, you know, you actually made me cry a couple of times. We'll we'll get into it later though. <laughs>
2: Uh, yeah, I, think I, wanna to go, I think I want to go straight there. How did, yeah, our guest, like, how did our guest make you cry? Was this the five-year-old Bradley that saw Halloween Town for the first
0: time? No, it was the, uh, the episode Mother's Day, the Rugrats yes, episode. Yes, and we, we were nominated
1: is. for an Emmy for that, and we won Cable Ace and Humanitas and, and everything. And in fact, I still remember when we were shooting it that uh, there were more than a few tears when she gave that final speech oh and yeah talked about remembering him when they read the note together and everything yeah it was like
0: oh and it was such a different i guess uh, a feat like it was i mean it still had the humor in it that rugrats had but it was very different tonally than some than most of the other episodes I'd right
1: say. like we had done a runaway reptar and yes rugrats yeah. vegas and it's a whole different kind of a thing but uh i worked on it with john and dave and and it was really, it was a great experience, and I'm always grateful that I was able to be part of that.
2: Mm-hmm. Guys, back backtrack for me because that is one that at my age. I'm uh, about ten years your your junior, uh, Allie. But that's I'm one.
1: Positively <laughs> geriatric at this point. We'll be discussing <laughs> Dick Van Dyke show. Oh,
2: that'd be great! I love Dick Van Dyke.
1: Yeah, right. I was not a writer for the Dick Van
2: Dyke Show. Um, really? Wow. <laughs> anyway, did now I lost my question? What so? What was the the gist of the show The Rugrats about? So it, it was on. It was was it a family show, so to speak, of these characters?
1: Ostensibly, ostensibly.
2: Okay, well, describe that a little bit for for me, because I well, think I almost understand what ostensibly means. I
1: think I really do feel like Rugrats was a landmark for shows like Family Guy, etc because ostensibly you were watching adorable little kids doing adorable little things, but there really was a sharpness and an intellectual edge and uh, funny stuff that that adults and kids could take in. The kids could take in the visuals and and like it, but we absolutely work for adults too. And I, I do know the difference because when I first started, I was working for sheer animation companies and there wasn't that edge because it just simply wasn't something people were looking for. So I think that, uh, John Cooksy and I did have that. And that was part of our creative appeal to Rugrats because we started as writers and then ended up running it in no time at all.
0: Yeah. And, and I, and to, to piggyback off that, one of the reasons that I think I'm going to hundred percent agree that I think that it was sort of like a mixture was, I mean, you get the kid aspect, but then, like, as an adult re re-watch, rewatching it, you get the aspect of, like, the kids, like, scu- scu- you know, they'll mispronounce words, like the submarine episode. They go, oh, he's got a scub marine, and he plays, you know, he plays his tuba to get the air, and, and it's like a right. childhood. Well, we had a,
1: a five-year-old at the time, and mm-hmm. we were, we actually um, stole one of her ideas. We gave her no money for it, and we're proud of it, uh, <laughs> because she was five and eight. Hey, too bad for her yeah you know, uh it was called the pirate light because the pilot light i think went out in our house or something and she was calling it the pirate light and where was the pirate etc so we we used something like that and you know she would say hoppy copter and all these things so we were literally we had a little rug rat at the time when we were working on it which uh we were probably aptly plagiarizing from <laughs> and by the way i did want to tell you that i have done other uh Strange, dark, unusual things ranging from so weird for, from Disney to The Collector yeah,
0: The collector, that I worked yeah. on.
1: And, and both of those are, are far from quirky. So I do yeah. carry my father's dynasty and lineage a little bit.
2: That's great. So do you, speaking of the um, mispronouncing words, does your, uh, you had told me, I believe, that you minored in English. Is that right?
1: Uh, yes, I was in English and music. Okay. Uh, oh, you followed
2: your dad's footsteps with music, huh?
1: Well, my dad composed and I said.
2: Right. Very good. Very good. Well, do you remember the character Mrs. Malaprop? Um, in one of the books, you know, the the founder uh, of malapropism. Wasn't it, or
1: something?
2: it wasn't Mrs. Dickens. Malaprop? I think it was. It wasn't Dickens. Um, I'm trying to remember who it was myself. Um,
1: but I do remember that character mm-hmm. because there there came the word that went into the English vocabulary.
2: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, that's 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 the kind of thing that I feel like I noticed in Halloween, uh, the Halloween Town is that there were. Things the characters said that had a much deeper background to them, and uh in those notes, wherever they are, <laughs> at one point I had made a made a um, a mention on there that it seemed like you guys were tipping into almost the allegory of the cave and the theory of forms. Do you know at
1: Halloween Town. Yes. Do you know what Play-o I'm talking and about? Town, I, I, I need to like find
2: that. this. I may just I, check out for a good no. ten minutes and let you guys I keep talking. It. I
1: love it when I have these minsa conversations. But, but but I
2: really I really think you did No that
1: was not a discussion for Halloween. No, we didn't I, say say right, there well, is an analogy we should <laughs> get on. That's before, but,
2: but but that's the beauty of you know what Aristotle I think was trying to do when he talked about those things and how Plato was so influential and how we have repeatedly Gone back to those types of, you know, what you want to call them, Greek tropes or something like that. That all sort of come from a basic philosophy or what I like to call a universal truth. And, well, and so it's like Campbell's
1: hero's journey, which Campbell taught at my college, ironically, Joseph Campbell. Oh, really? Sarah did he? You? Wow. Sarah Lawrence College, yes. Joseph Campbell did. It was all about the Her- hero's journey. And ultimately it comes down to the archetypes that, you know, go back to Dante, et cetera. And the archetypes of heroes and their journey, et cetera. And I think most writers ultimately embrace that in one respect or another, because if you look at beginning, middle, end, right, it's like, what did my brother used to say that you, you throw rocks at a character, get him up the tree, throw rocks at him, let him find a way to come back down It was Something pithy like that, but it really is. I know that's a rather, a, basic way to look at a journey, but the journey is the beginning, middle and end, no matter what screenwriter you talk to or screenwriter teacher, which is, uh, you need to have that. And I think that you find as a viewer that if you don't have that, if you can't track the character or what he's going through, I think a lot of people lose interest in it. They're not following it anymore.
2: Right. Right. ready. I'll let you get in one more thing. Just the, this is again, the thoughts I had that I wrote down that I lost, so I'm gonna run with it. <laughs> but, hey, hey, Robert. Can we do it again you, if
1: you find them? That'd be interesting.
0: He didn't lose the notes. I, I did I, you find that page? If you look on the docs, I have everything. You sort of had a big jumble, so. I... No,
2: it's not. It's not in there. There was. There was still more.
0: Because oh, I, I re-
2: yeah, I read through everything. Trust me, dude. I I was I was. Oh. Writing and writing and writing because I felt like I was back in college just it trying was never, to like,
0: yeah put together. I'm going to
2: have
1: to grade this, son. Robert, yeah. good,
2: you should because now that we've spoken about it, your homework. I'm I'm forgetting I'm forgetting everything I was going to say. Anyway, what was I going to say now? Uh, shoot, it's gone. Never mind, Bradley, stop interrupting. As, so the oh, I'm
0: so sorry. Hey, tip y- your you witnesses. You know you you mentioned your brother and maybe this is a good time to bring it up cuz I was sort of looking into everybody uh so you have a brother Richard and you have another brother Christian correct
1: yeah mm-hmm.
0: so so Richard seemed to be like the uh the really into horror like he he did all the more horror stuff would you say he leans toward it that way or
1: I would say he leans more toward my dad's genre yes yeah i don't uh, my brother's is very creative but i really couldn't see him doing rugrats for example i don't yeah
0: think and that would
1: be something he would be that interested in
0: mm-hmm. and then your other brother christian he seemed more to the comedic side sort of the uh bill and ted and then what that and then i think a goofy movie which i loved a goofy movie growing up too
1: yeah he's certainly done some eclectic stuff absolutely
0: and and i uh, sort of i sort of feel like you're in between them sort of like you know, the middle
1: child so there
0: you go so there you go because you know he's he's you know richard's more like your dad and then christian's sort of more comedic and then you're sort of in the middle with with both you know
1: well i'm darn funny darn funny so i fit right on in but my sister was a social worker she's retired now my mom was, mm-hmm. had, was a phd therapist so i was the only girl in the midst of it all
0: oh wow yeah so,
1: so I guess I struck out my own way, but I used to to sing professionally and do that. And I don't think I had considered going into writing, per se, to just sort of, well, you know, what you see, what your environment is,
0: right? Yeah. And so, you know, how did you get, how did you start writing? Like, what was the, did you, did you start with your dad? I know, uh, Robert, didn't you mention in the notes that she had worked on some things with her dad, possibly, or?
1: We never worked on anything directly. Well, no, that's not right. We did the Outer Limits together. Yeah with
2: somebody what about the christopher reeve project i thought maybe oh no i know. had nothing to do with okay. that i was
1: just a stand-in oh no that was completely my father's okay
2: i, th- I think uh, wikipedia may may have those those wrong because i remember seeing that part of it i was like really she wrote on that
1: i know i looked at that i'm like but oh, wait a minute i just gotten out of college i swear i didn't write it. No, i've been active in it i belong to the group and i have gone to the somewhere in time weekends at the Grand and, and, are, and close to quite a few of the fans it's a lovely lovely environment and was something that made my father very happy as it was a very well done movie and as you can well imagine you do creative things and x amount of time you go uh, uh, this is so not good but my dad and if my dad used slogan Swanson you knew it was a stinkerama. Because he would only use that, it was really, really bad. Right. But he was very pleased with somewhere in time.
2: Yeah, well, I saw where he, you know, had said that that was the name he came up with so he could feed his four kids, and uh, didn't want to yeah, take Logan his name Swanson. off the bill for that. So it was the my maiden, boy. the maiden name of your mom's, um yeah. grandmother or something like that. And then the maiden, no, and then my the maiden.
1: Mom, Ruth Logan was my grandmother's name. Ruth Logan. Her middle. Her maiden name was Logan. Right. And then Swanson was like maybe like Svennington because that was my grandmother's maiden name when right. she came over from Norway.
2: Right, right. So
1: he pilfered from the gals, basically. But then, you know, he put me in um, uh, What Dreams May Come as Marie. So the man was a user of names. That's
2: right, that's right. Well, it's interesting you said that your show was sort of a precursor to... Did you say Family Guy? Um,
1: <laughs> I felt like Rugrats had... Definitely has definitely been a jumping off point for for some shows mm-hmm. to to go past uh, the Scooby Doo level, right? Of well, intellect I, and humor.
2: Well, I don't think uh, McFarlane was paying tribute to your dad, or more so, he was probably mocking Robin well, Williams. You know,
1: The Simpsons have The Simpsons literally played tribute to my dad in one of their episodes.
2: Right now, they weren't the ones yeah. that did the, the the lost videotapes. Wasn't that wasn't that McFarland? They they had you know like what? a section in the video follow, store. I
1: follow this so far and no more.
2: Okay. Well they, they <laughs> had like a video store, one of the shows, and it was like forgotten Robin Williams films. And then they did a musical of him in What Dreams May Come. Um as, <laughs> as their mocking, you know,
0: whatever version of and it.
1: And I'm surprised we haven't seen that in robbery yet, too. <laughs>
0: that, yeah, that has to be uh that has you to be phantom. Oh.
1: she's my uh you can do oh most God. anything on broadway that's sorry funny. not my favorite music.
0: oh you're funny. not a big fan of fandom i, I love Phantom. when we saw it
1: do uh, you uh, I, I saw went, it on broadway uh i like it better than cats <laughs> so yeah
0: which uh robert did you know that she, that she had a touring show uh that she actually didn't you yeah rugrats tour? Rug, was touring
1: america yeah. and that was my one and only time on the stage of radio city music hall my mom and i we were there for rehearsal they came to see the opening in New York City, and she and I went up on the Radio City Music Hall. And said, cool. yeah, it was a one and only chance to be Rockettes. So it was fun.
2: Gotcha. really cool. Gotcha. Well, Bradley, you were right. I, I have found my notes now just buried way past everything else.
1: Oh, we're way past that point, though. You can't
2: no, ask- no, 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 no. We're good. As I said, if we're going to. You know, I, I, told, I told you I organized everything. I don't know about yeah. organize.
1: It's what it <laughs> you is. literally. It is.
2: You put it, you put it in with the Halloween town.
1: Wait, stuff. I'm going to give you an anecdote. Okay. My dad make lists like you never saw. Oh yeah. And I have become my father's manifestation because I make lists. My husband has a running joke, you know, lists for the next hour, lists for the next day and for the next week. Right, right? So if you wanted to drive my dad utterly crazy, you either moved his list around or you had one, which is going to be for an hour now or, or <laughs> yesterday or tomorrow, you know, and you just said, you're like, that, oh,
2: would, God, that would drive me absolutely yes. nuts.
1: Yes. And it, it's the same for me. So I'm probably, uh, yeah, I have to live his dynasty on this.
2: <laughs> well, let's, let's do this guys. Let's go back into just a, a little touch on Kolchak. And uh, if anybody is actually uh, repeatedly viewing and uh, watching our, not watching, but listening to our podcast, you know that we're talking about Shack the Night Stalker. You know that there were two TV movies that preceded Shack the Night Stalker, uh, the TV show, and the TV movies Though were written by Allie's dad, Richard, and they were based on the novel, The Kolchak Papers. Written by Jeff Rice, or as he would have called them, cold shack papers, as we now have learned from his son. And I know, Ali, you say shack uh, yeah. when you talk about it. So
1: that's how my dad said it too. Is there another way to say it?
2: Well, Oops. that that is the way that um, the, evidently all the people who are involved with the writing of it have said it. But the, that's people, the
1: only way I ever heard it. Yeah, the, the
2: person yeah. who portrayed it, Darren McGavin, decided to call it shack. Oh, and well, so he know. he even had an interview where he corrected the interviewer who said, Yeah, yeah the coal check. He says, No coal check. And uh, know, a very McGavin XT kind XT of way.
1: Actor, Daffy, sometimes you just
2: run with You it. do. Oh, you yeah. Do, all semantics. You. Yeah, you do. But I, I went for the longest time telling Bradley he couldn't pronounce it with a check because that was incorrect. Because I only knew the story of McGavin doing it on the show and all the episodes. So He was
1: wrong, so, so very wrong, Bradley.
2: Kind of, kind he of. He feels shame
1: daily on what he has done.
2: Yes, yes. So, anyway. <laughs> um, and So, the the show is written when you're 15, 16 years old. and A little it,
1: bit younger, somewhere in that Okay. That. And
2: so, he he does or doesn't ever bring his work home and talk about the latest thing that he's been doing around the dinner table or anything like that. Yeah. Not, not that kind of guy.
1: A bunch of teenagers. It would only go so well and no better.
2: Are you, Uh, are you familiar with the term TA for kids? Transactional uh, analysis for kids.
1: Oh, I was, uh, I was thinking TMI for kids actually on this one. So, um, yes, sure. I mean, my father's materials and the things were happening at work and what was being shot, et cetera, because we would go to sets and it would be an ongoing environment. Absolutely. We were aware of what was happening, et cetera, et cetera. But did he take us aside at 14 and say, Hey, what do you think of act one, scene two? No. Right. Wisely he did not because that would not be a good idea. And all of us as teenagers, I think we had our own, very narrow view of what was important in life like what were you going to wear to the prom and so I remember going on the Seattle tour underground and thinking it was a bit creepy and I have a distinct recollection of the fact that my father would see places like this he also saw Maude Adams when we were in Virginia City because we would camp very often during the summer and he would see something and he usually would carry notepads or he'd carry a Recorder and he would see things that would galvanize his imagination. He'd be taking notes, etc., which he would take with him. And I always thought like that. I know I'm diverging a little bit, but I always thought it was interesting that with the duel, that even as he was being chased ostensibly by a horrific truck, he was also. I know my daddy was probably writing notes and you know one of the notes and like man, chase truck, you know, could be dangerous. You know, he's always his imagination was always going. Yeah. So that I know we went to Seattle and we went on that tour and that absolutely caught his imagination on what could happen. <clears throat> and then I remember seeing it, the Las Vegas one be shot too. So
0: did you, uh, Robert, do you ever remember the, did you hear the dual story about, uh, yeah. 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 I'm, I'm familiar. You you can relay it though. Oh, I, I mean, I'd probably not do it as well as she did, but basically what I always heard was that, uh, your father was with uh, another rider for the Twilight Zone. Was it John Soule? No, Jerry. Jerry, no, Jerry, Jerry. Soule. He
1: was a friend of the family. Yeah,
0: and uh, I think they were driving and uh, uh, just yeah, it was road pressing, rage
1: fascination. Yeah,
0: yeah, road rage. You know, semi truck driver was just chasing them until they pulled off the road, and then I think that was the same day John F. Kennedy died.
1: But what's interesting yeah. is if you live in California, especially in LA County. There's you're never gonna get out of there without running into road rage at least once a day. But yes. I think the, mm. the average one of us just go, Oh, that S O B or yada Yeah. But we don't say, Hey, we need to write about that. But my dad did and so did Carlin and Ellison, so
0: Yeah. So some of
1: them were struck that way by it.
2: Yeah, in the interview that I saw, he had said that once they pulled over and said their obscenities and kind of calmed down yeah. a little bit, that he the the idea just hit. And he grabbed an envelope that was uh, yeah. in the car yeah. and started writing. Usually, always carry for the show. For
1: my whole as long as I can remember, he carried a, a cassette recorder and or a pad and pen, etc. Because he always had. And now I carry a pad and pen, although I'm really just writing my lists on it. But you never know. Nothing. <laughs> <time.
2: laughs> oh, uh, that's great. Well, the. One of the lines, and now it may be in my notes and maybe not, but I'm going to go ahead and say it because I think it's appropriate. And I can see how it fits Bradley, it fits me, and here is the sort of the theory of forms idea that I was bringing up, is one of the lines in Halloween Town is a character says something about... Um, we can we always learn important things from movies and stories uh, that that apply to real life. I'm paraphrasing, you, you, but that's essentially what they say. You know what I'm yeah, talking about? You Bradley? can always
0: learn something about real life by watching the movies. There you go. Well,
2: and and I, I think guess you can. I yeah yeah, and I think what that again the. The idea of the allegory of the cave is you're not watching no, real life, but you're still watching. Ground. Well, you're just you're watching something that that is instructing you. Ah, oh, but they were just on shadows. What, on what is, they were
1: just shadows. On I the know,
2: cave. and it's only it's only the philosopher, or in this case, let's say the writer who can interpret who the shadows. understands. Yes, who can interpret these things? So I I just love that, whether it's intentional or not. It just you know, as as Campbell would say it's sort of like the hero's journey and it gets passed on from one person to the next, um, those types of things. The one thing I was going to tell you about with talking about throwing the rocks up at the tree mm-hmm. and having the person figure out their way to get yes, down, well, that was only that, that sort I of sounds think, think a I little
1: like,
2: yeah, well, that sounds a little like the, um, I think it's Snyder's Save the Cat I love you know, um, idea. I love yeah, and, and it's, it. Yeah, it's, and it's a retelling of the hero's journey. And then the, I can't remember the name of the other person who also wrote that out for everybody. to. Well, uh, I, that's kind there. of the running
1: um, motif that screenwriters, teachers go with, which is that right. you need to stick with the journey as well. The same thing that Campbell said. Yeah, but I like the cat thing. That's more succinct. That gets right up yeah.
2: Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I, I always think about that as where is the hero going to win mm-hmm. in this scene? You know, so you have to get him behind. Or more anyway, if,
1: br- if the hero went. That's huge. I watched Correct. Netflix, uh, shall remain nameless, but I said to my husband, I don't care about anybody in this thing. Nobody. I don't care what mm-hmm. happens to them. I don't care who wins, who loses. Um, this is actually something running right now, which... Excuse my French, but they all have white wigs. Oh, did I say that? Anyway,
2: it's just, <laughs> nothing. I'm just like... I knew what you were talking about.
1: I'm not... I just don't care. And I'm certainly not a person who hasn't gotten emotionally involved in certain movies, but I'm just not emotionally... It's not emotionally resonating. with right
2: Yeah. Did you care about the first one? The one. uh The, the one that oh, was yeah. based on? The other I watched stuff? that in was it was it because of a certain small character who was one well, of the best ones in the was entire show?
1: Oh, I like this. I like being obedient. This is good. He, <laughs> and the characters were fascinating and varied and the marriages seemed real and the relationships were touching. And it was just and there was so much going on that was fascinating to me. Right. And I'm sure I'm gonna get probably a note from somebody that said, You said what about what? But it's just not it's not resonating with me none of them are resonating right with me. so yeah well, what i I, was I, I felt the same way you, you need to create characters that people care if they come down the tree if they if you run them up the tree and people wander off and get coke and don't care if they ever came down the tree there you go
2: very good point very good point um oh, that's right. a, so I like that. that that is that is roughly all that I've got about col um i think I think the only other thing is. If you have a favorite horror character oh, no. a classic character. Oh, if you no. have one
1: I'm so who, who would bad you on horror movies? We have the stuff I stink.
2: But but it doesn't have to be the movie. It's more the type of character. So it's like you you know, in Halloween town you have like witches and movie. warlocks and vampires oh. and no I know. All right, okay, I know, okay. but They come from that genre. Werewolves.
1: All right. Okay. Okay.
2: Any of those zombies.
1: All right. Oh, no, I hate (laughs) them. Jeez. We can come back to it. I'm still getting over the shining. So that's how recalcitrant I am in this area.
2: (sighs) Well, that's one heck of a scary movie. That
1: scared Mm. the heck out of me. That, to me, is the archetype of utterly terrifying because of the psychological disintegration, which is really, Mm -hmm. it goes back to my dad's sort of thing which is and why Stephen King was so impressed by my dad originally because my dad was all about the psychological disintegration of the character not so much maybe the the life and whatever around him as much as his own disintegration was impacting things so that that absolutely that movie fascinated me but what other horror? My daughter loves horror films. My God, she was visiting once. Like, <laughs> she turned on The Conjuring, and I'm like, "Oh my God, where's the garlic? This is horrifying. Ah! I just.
2: Well, while you're still thinking about yeah, that, I do it. Bradley, do you what? Do you have anything to say about this idea about um, what we know of her dad's um, telling about horror and how he interpreted it and used it? Uh, if not, I do. I've, I've got some things that I've um, wanted to jump on about. No, that.
0: no, I don't really. The only thing. I think we see it now with the, uh, the new Netflix, Jeffrey Dahmer special that that's been running. Oh,
1: oh, I could not even, I could. Yeah.
0: But I, but I mean, if you, but you know, go back to your point about the shining though, and this is like, and this is real life is the, is the, some of the worst villains we have and you know, some of the worst horror icons or characters, you know, I I don't want to call them icon. You, you, you get what I'm saying though. The worst horror villains we have or people we have are human beings. Uh, I think, And, and a lot of, I think a lot of the, uh, you know, Twilight Zone episodes, especially.
1: Absolutely. Uh, I'm thinking work. of Coppola's Dracula. Okay, that shows you I am not up with the zeitgeist. I'm not. But Coppola's Dracula really caught me because I thought such a beautiful job was done with creating the main character and showing his vulnerability, which is exactly what my dad did with Dracula, too. That he created the man's vulnerability and that he had loved someone and lost them. And when you see someone that looks like them, that, that it takes it beyond the archetype of, oh, he's just this or that. And he was human once. And that sort of yeah. thing. Again, that if, if even a horror movie has something that there's a, a human side to it, then it will probably captivate me far more. But then my dad said he wasn't a horror writer, really.
2: Th- that's what I was going yeah, to get he- to, is in the interview that I saw... You know he he didn't like the word genre, and and he uh, definitely did not feel himself to be a horror writer because to him that was more visceral, right? Exactly, um, Sad grotes- grotesque kind of thing. Yeah, that yeah. that type of thing. He wanted to be a terror writer, right? And he had said how I think it was Boris Karloff. Maybe I think it's either Boris or Vincent Price, but I think he said Boris Karloff. Had said that uh, corrected someone and said, "No, he does terror shows. He doesn't do horror shows." I'm going to say, "Christ," there, there you don't and have that. to show because everything.
1: Because was pretty old by the time he had worked on my dad's stuff, so I don't know that he mm-hmm. was no offense, but I'm not sure he was tracking as much what was going on. But my um, dad, you got friends me with yeah. Vincent Price, it was a you know the penultimate classy classy act,
2: and right? Well, I think he said that uh, was it, Rathbone who ended up doing a different um, role because Karloff couldn't do it so much because it was so physical. Mm -hmm. And Rathbone was actually older than Karloff, but in fact magnificent shape and was able to dance around and do all the stuff they wanted. to Well, yeah, he was
1: in the sword fight with uh, Errol Flynn, wasn't he? And remember, my father was a huge aficionado of those early sword fight movies. He must have seen Robin Hood about 20 times or something like that. So yeah, even yeah. as we see my father in certain genres, he, he was very interested and was influenced by other genres.
0: Yes, for sure. For sure. Bradley, anything? Yeah. You know, I was just thinking, I was trying to sort of think, you you know, dig deeper on the Twilight Zone episodes. And there, I was just, he did uh, Little Girl Lost. He did that one, which I know. Based on my sister. Really? Would well, yeah. you Share a little bit of that if you don't mind.
1: Well, I wasn't really around then because she's older than me, but Mm -hmm. Tina, my sister, uh, my parents lived, I'd only heard so much about it, but my parents lived somewhere where it it had some ramshackle or new parts in it. And my sister had rolled under the bed through a little bit of a wall or this place where they could hear her, but they could not see her. So from that, again, something that another person would say, oh, that's just an annoying piece of the situation with the house. My dad launched with it
0: and came up with the idea yeah because little girl lost ended up influencing uh spielberg with the Poltergeist, which i mean yes I
1: well there's always influencing in them you know, oh. it's hard, to, hard to decide what what is what
0: no no it, it is and but but i oh. but i think you know especially spielberg you know did duel and i think he did spielberg did a magnet i love duel i mean especially the ending uh, how spielberg got the last shot of the uh, did you ever hear about that, Robert? How the last shot where the semi is careening off the side of the bridge? They just had a stunt guy stay in the truck and jumped out at the la- and he almost didn't make it. He almost didn't jump out. In time. <laughs> That's uh, that sounds like early stunt work. Yes, and, because and that you, you, you could do the special like effects. A you just jumped
2: as it went down. Mm-hmm. Well, I like the oh, uh,
0: the dual
1: group I belong to on Facebook, and somebody wrote me. Uh, well, we should either do a prequel so we can learn all about the truck driver well, we should see what happened after a crash. And I'm like, uh, or, uh, well,
0: yeah.
2: well <laughs> I'd say no to just, both. Just, just right? tell them to, yeah, to go work yeah, on and, that.
1: Gosh, yeah. <laughs> and, I,
2: and I
0: think the TV execs. Take that home
1: and work on it, mister. Thanks for sharing.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I think the TV execs didn't want the, they're like, hey, we don't need the, Spielberg was real big on getting that last explosion shot. And the TV execs like, you know, we don't really, that ain't really important. But Spielberg's like, no, I have to have this shot in the movie. Yeah, no, it's a shot. It's
1: beautifully
0: done. Oh, yeah. Um, but you know, even that Not merit twenty thousand feet. I mean, that's very psychological. Is it? Did it really happen? Did it not? Nick of time. I mean, a Nick of time is such a fascinating episode. Nothing happens in the episode,
1: but everything happens.
0: But everything happens in the episode. Like,
1: that just... to me, if somebody said to me, "What's a real good manifestation of your father?" I would say Nick of time. Not, no, my dad did not, we flew in vacations all the time. My dad was not like, oh my God, there's things on the way. No, he didn't do that at all. <laughs> that to me was a, a certain amount of imagination, but at nick of time, because my dad, he, he freely admitted he had a paranoiac side, as did his family. And the fact is that that machine was, was potentially controlling people through fear and paranoia. And he and his new wife bought into it, but she, and she reminded me of my mom in some real ways because my dad could get fearful or paranoid or whatever it could come up. And my mom was a real, a voice of wisdom and sanity at times. And I love that the woman says, no, we're going, you know, we're moving on. And then the other couple comes back in and they can't leave. I yes. thought that was just amazing. I love that. Episode.
2: Yeah. I think, I think the dynamic in that between the the, the couples and, and how the 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 newlywed wife um, lovingly talks him down and keeps trying to help. You know, reason with him and
1: right. And it was a good embodiment, embodiment of a healthy marriage of, that they were going to be okay because we all brings our we bring our fears, we bring our baggage, et cetera, Into marriages, but how does our partner deal with it? How do they deal with us and vice versa? Right. And the other couple sure. was just feeding off of each other, and they're stuck. So. That's why yeah. I like that. I like the psychological aspects of that, especially now that I'm older.
0: Oh yeah, and and he also did uh, he did Daryl's favorite episode, uh, A World of His Own, too. The, the one with the tape and everything, which I thought was great. Oh,
1: that's a hoot, isn't it? It's not yeah. my favorite, but it's a hoot. It really is. I, I like that one.
0: Or even what, mm-hmm. what was the one with the boxers? The the ro- now we're just naming Twilight. Yeah, Real Steel. Steel, which
1: uh, that became Steel. the movie.
0: Yes. We're
2: with Hugh Jackman. Yeah. Yeah, he had said about that that um, he wished he had thought a little bit further in the future because to him, he's writing these things in the 50s, and he thinks, you know, late 70s is a good time for when all these changes could take place. And and uh, he's like, well, I, he said he, he just laughed about it, that he missed the mark a few times
1: yeah, on things. Was, but, uh, my dad's work is ecumenical. It really lasts in perpetuity because human emotions – Pro and con are forever. Mm-hmm. And that's what he dealt with. You, you can yeah. see certain horror movies like The Blob, and it's like, oh my God, is this dated? But other movies like Shining, for lack of a better word, is a psychological drama that is something that will last forever, as does a lot of things about my dad. In The Hell House, for example. Yes. Where the house oh, yeah. takes yeah. advantage of each person's vulnerability that's pretty fascinating and, and very much what my dad was interested in
0: and i think the best science fiction is the science fiction that doesn't i don't know if you're writing science fiction to try to predict future events or anything i don't think that's the right mindset but like you know it's one thing that brings people back to orwell and uh you know 1984 and stuff like that is is the mentality like you talked about the mentality yeah the if you try to do the
1: future you're usually gonna date yourself pretty darn fast
0: which I oh, love Kubrick, love uh, 2001, stuff like that. But they were
1: visionaries. Oh, they
0: were yeah. vision. they oh. had a
1: vision, and that's the difference between other people who are just sort of out there doing derivative crap, for lack of a better word. They're just sort of borrowing liberally from the right and the left, but they're without a vision, without a clear through line of what you want to say and what you want to do, it's just like eh.
2: That that actually brings me a little bit to one of my thoughts that uh, popped into my head when I was watching Halloween. Time. Oh God! Is it, it, sorry. No, don't you dare go back
1: into the remember, shadows and never stop. No, no.
2: <laughs> you remember? Well, you remember our first conversation that we had, our pre-podcast talk, and I had asked you something about: Did your dad ever? Um, what was it? Uh, come home and talk about his work or did you ever dig deep? No, it was, did you ever dig deep into your work in his work, blah, blah, blah. You had said, well, you know, my, um, mother was a therapist and, and why do you want to ask that question, Robert? So you kind of threw it back on me. So yeah, so I, I trust me. Uh, my, my background is also in fitness and wellness. So I've done wellness counseling. So I, I kind of play these games too. Now, once again, I've lost my train of thought. No, not really. Did did there ever exist a a willful intention by Disney to answer to the Harry Potter craze with similar stories about magic, witchcraft, any of those types of things um, that that you know of? And was any of that manifested in Halloween Town with the original story that came to you guys? There, there are some similarities I'd, I'd like to point out, but they're all good similarities, and I, I enjoyed everything, and it only made it sort of richer for me. But in terms of, I think, when what was written at certain time, maybe they don't all match up, and and that's okay. But I think there's, the again, the hero's journey fits both those stories. The hero's journey fits um, all good
1: stories. I think that yeah. it was just a matter of us being influenced by both our own creative ideas and and what the zeitgeist surely the zeitgeist does influence you what's going on around you but none of us either Paul John or myself were ever interested in directly emulating any particular genre or any particular movie out there which is why right. I think Halloween Town is unique unto itself.
2: Well, it's yeah, I I love the aspect of it. When the adults are taken out um, by the, the magical freeze ray or whatever that the, the warlock does. And then the kids have to assemble the parts of the potion. Mm -hmm. So in save the cat, now you're in the fun and games portion where they go to the one guy who's in the, the steam um, little, uh, I don't know what they call those. It's the sauna, but he gets inside the, the machine that like cooks his body and he's a really overweight guy. Right. Shrinks him down. And then they go to the barber and they trim his hair off. And anyway, they do all those types of things. But that that immediately made me think, wow, it's almost like they're gathering up the horcruxes in Harry Potter. Um, these are the things they have to go for. But but really what struck me the most about it, again, was this is the journey they're taking. And it, you could say the same thing about Star Wars, you know, and, and what they had to do on their journey to get to this point. Yeah. And then and then the the masterful way that, that everybody, and you guys did this a lot in Halloween Town, right at the point you think they've got something, there's a there's a tangent. Mm-hmm. And they have to deal with that to get themselves back on track to the, the next part of the story. So I I loved the artistry within all of that. And it just made me um really think about the the main question that I've danced around to is What's the relationship between someone who has a story idea and then brings it to a studio or producer or whatever, and then your team comes in as the screenwriters? Because I saw there was a story by credit in Halloween Town. What's that relationship like?
1: Usually the person who has a story, if they've gotten that far along, is already relatively high in the food chain. They don't usually buy stories unless you're notorious for one reason or other or your idea is they don't just buy stories off the street etc because there's too many lawsuits that are potentially attached too much plagiarism uh, accusations etc so it's pretty sequestered in that area but more than a few times we were given books or things that authors May be able to write a book, but they can't always translate into screenplay, and vice versa. It was, you know, it doesn't mean that because you can do one, you can do the other. My dad did a book for kids, but I ended up doing the adaptation for his movie. For it because, but again, that was about a uh, hero, Aladdin-esque hero, uh, looking for talismans, going through his hero's journey, and having to get X amount of talismans in order to win true love, for example. So I'm not even sure I answered your question, but.
2: I hope I did No, no, you did. Well so, so the so the person who brings the story to you guys, it, it is something they've worked on. And then your team is contacted by an agent and uh, says, Hey, this is who we'd like yeah, to do this, yeah, or you're already on you contract, or how's that work?
1: Usually it would be again, this this was a couple more than a few years ago, but the way it would work was there'd be a book, for example. I oh, let me think. For, I want to say Nelvana, but I'm not, no, Cookie Jar. I, I, I adopted a, a book series for Cookie Jar. And again, it was mm-hmm. a very cute uh, series of books, but it wasn't geared toward doing uh, a cute half an hour series because what okay. we know how to do is different than what they know how to do. So the, at that time, I think Cookie Jar contacted me and said, we understand you worked on Rugrats or yada, yada, yada. So they say, okay, you did this or for we assume you can do this. That's kind of how it works. But they don't assume a book writer, J.K. Rowling, notwithstanding, they don't assume the average book writer can write a screenplay. And for the most part, they're usually right.
2: Right.
0: Yeah. Right. My dad right. okay.
1: had to learn. Most people who just started books, if they want to do it, they have to learn. Yeah. And
0: gotcha. and this is one thing that I think we've, you know, we've talked about with Rich Adam, who uh, worked on some other, you know, he's what uh, he's worked on other films and a uh, current writer for DC's Titans, but one thing we talked about, and I guess something your dad probably knows about more than anybody, is sometimes you write something, the writer writes something, and then, but when it gets adapted and it goes out of his hands, sometimes things get uh, changed, mangled. Uh, oh, jaws! Jaws! Yeah,
1: happens to everybody. I wrote. A script when I was first starting out, so I mean, nameless. But I watched it on TV, and I re- I realized I didn't even think it was mine because my name was there. But it, like every word had been rewritten by the story editor, and that was like,
0: <gasps> yeah, that
1: was But Which that happens to people quite a bit because they may not know the tone of the show as well as the story editor. Now that I've been a story editor and a producer, I understand why these rewrites have to happen. But they're still hard, especially when they happen to my dad because he really was somebody who was a landmark artist and it was hard to see that he had to be rewritten by the young and hot writer. That's, mm-hmm. that's never easy when you have your own career. And then, you know, I've been to it. I've been through it too. I, I learned from my dad, you just sort of roll with the punches as you get older, but you will get to the point where you're no longer the young and hot writer. It's like, okay.
0: yeah. Yeah. And, and case in point, one of the things I was going to bring up is Jaws three. I mean, your dad's name's attached to it but from everything i've i've or seen joss 3d is
1: that what you said
0: yeah wasn't that the one that he he wrote and then it oh got
1: my gosh twisted around <laughs> and i think oh you know, like i can hear him in heaven now don't talk about joss 3d no uh, i mean i know he just did it for money it's like that was not
0: what what no 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 i uh, from from everything i've heard though is that the story was great but that if you look at the writing credits, there's like six writers on the well, writing ass. credits. Yes. So what I think yes. happened was, and and this is complete conjecture, I really don't know if they said, hey, he we. The suit. Yeah, they they said, hey, we need a story. Your dad gave them a story, and they said, ah, this don't fit. Let's get a couple of rewrites, and then they got somebody else. You know, from what I've looked into, and and now your dad's names tacked onto this movie. You know that is You know, people consider something
1: well for residuals, etc. But I can give you my piece of wisdom, as if you don't already know, which you probably do. But if you see ten, nine to ten writers on a project, uh oh, yeah, that's trouble. Because everybody won credit, and there's way too many voices.
0: Yeah, no, and and you know, and. I think sometimes, and you've—I mean, have you? You've written. I think I saw it in some of your credits that you've had to rewrite some scripts as well. I mean,
1: you don't ever not have to rewrite scripts. No,
0: no, I guess it would be be more like a script doctor. I guess is. Have you ever been hired to do like script doctor work or anything like that?
1: Well, yeah, uh, it wasn't any. That was never a phrase that I looked at. My, I know that.
0: Yeah, no. That yes.
1: Carrie Fisher kind of gave herself that lexicon, or somebody else did. But that's never how I looked at it. I just looked at it. People would bring projects to myself and my other partners and this needs to get fixed. And it was like, yeah. And I try to whenever possible, at least for myself, to show respect for the other writer, because growing up in a family of writers, I know how that can be. And it can be difficult emotionally to be utterly rewritten.
0: Mm-hmm. and but I also think it's important too i mean if you if you get a good core group of riders like a group of two or three riders that can work together, which I know you've experienced uh there's were there three riders on halloween town correct on mm-hmm. the first third first one i think, well, I've also uh, worked
1: on series where you get yeah, yeah you yeah. get close and and ideally you're all is, have the same vision and humor and intellect ideally
0: yeah man i I really want to Robert, this is. There's so many people I want to bring in, like maybe get her and Rich Adam on one day talking shop on TV shows, and I don't know, because he because he's currently you know writing shows nowadays just to see how different things are and how how similar things are, I guess, because uh, that's some of the things. But going back to Halloween Town, one thing I was thinking of is back in like I think '89, there was a Studio Ghibli was real big, the animation studio, and probably something Disney. Disney looked to was Kiki's Delivery Service was a real big witch movie at the time that I I think it pairs well like they complement it complements each other with Halloween Town that movie uh I mean it's got a, a witch that's 13 that sort of does her own thing which is not out of the ordinary but I just Isn't that the it,
1: Japanese uh the yeah. Japanese classics right oh my yeah. god my husband and daughter just love
0: those beautiful artwork it's not like
1: Howl's Moving Castle
0: Howl's or? Moving Castle yeah yes. Spirited Away is another great one that I grew up watching all those and I love yes. all those movies
1: well, and, and, then, you know, I honestly don't feel, and I, I appreciate the thought, but I don't feel like Howl's Moving Castle. Uh, you know, I feel like that's really quite amazing compared to Halloween Town. We were a little more prosaic. Yeah,
0: no, no, yeah, I understand. I, I guess more, uh, more of a, a as complementary pieces. I mean, around the same time, they both sort of conveyed similar ideas because especially in Kiki's delivery service, it was like, sort of like this girl who goes out on her own away from her parents and she's trying to find her way. And, uh, you know, even to, uh, I guess for, to a Disney channel extent, if you want to work with, within those parameters, uh, there's a lot of similarities in Halloween town where you have these kids who have to figure out and save the adults. And
1: I think part of the problem with, with the issue is just that, I personally have always been a little bit baffled by the ongoing and seemingly in perpetuity popularity of Halloween town because, you know, forest for the trees, right? I was writing in mm-hmm. the midst of it. It was uh, very few writers ever say, My God, we're writing a genius piece of work here. And oh, it's gonna last forever. Because usually if you say that you're wrong. Mm-hmm. And it's a big drama. But I have to sometimes wrap my head around the idea that Halloween Town has impacted people, et cetera. I did actually put it on my Facebook because I thought I never mentioned what work I had done. But I thought, you know what? What the heck? I'll just say watch Halloween Town, and a lot of people said that they liked it. So yeah. I, my father was of the same ilk that tooting your own horn is, uh, you know, something you need to do judiciously. I'm not a good horn tuner. So, and we just <laughs> no. have a Halloween oh, Town. My horn is like, hmm, is that true? Is that good?
2: Is that was a good one? I don't. So, well, trust me when I when I told Bradley that you had uh, written Halloween Town, and I mean this was just through texting, but I could see him jumping up like, "Oh my gosh, are you kidding me? It's one of my favorites!" <laughs> oh, it was. And I am a goddess. No, no, no it's all it's Bradley, all legitimate. I
1: am a goddess.
2: Oh okay. no, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, and, you know, and, and later, Bradley, um, as we cut you back down a notch, um, I had a little discussion with Allie about Scooby-Doo, and she is not a fan.
0: Uh, what, yeah? I had to sit through it
1: with my daughter. Oh my God, it was excruciating. I don't care if the Scooby-Doo inventors find me tomorrow. Bad people were bad. That was no. just bad. <laughs> My daughter loved it, and we had to sit through it. It was as bad as Pokemon. These
0: Whoa. are the things that make me a crazy person. Whoa! I cannot. It's Shots just fired. visual.
1: Okay, I'm sorry. You know, you get my age and you get cranky, but yeah, Scooby-Doo made me nuts.
0: Well, I'm just a you. I watched Pokemon, and then I watched Halloween Town as a kid. How does that make uh, you feel?
1: My daughter and her friends dragged me to the Pokemon movie, and they never spoke to me. She says, Pikachu, Pikachu. And I'm just thinking, this is going to be water torture.
0: How, how old is your daughter? Well, now she's in
1: her late twenties, but at the time she was
0: the. yeah, I'm 29, so we're we're we're. In yeah, age. she's roughly about your age. Yeah.
1: So yeah, I guess it's a you could chew as a garnered taste. I never got it. So um, no.
0: Yeah, I had I had my 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 Pokemon the movie VHS right up there beside my Rugrats the movie Orange VHS and. You
1: know, oh, I'm cool. going to get. I'm sure I'm going to get all sorts of diatribes from Pokemon aficionados. Like, yeah.
0: I don't know if they're <laughs> listening to. I was going to say, us. yeah, because because <laughs> <laughs> I listen to Call of oh,
1: All, a all fifty of us. Person from the I, yeah. Twist. Not well, liking
2: that. Well, you know what, Bradley? Speaking of other people, um, I do have some audio, uh, some questions from one of our regular listeners, Jeff Coburn. And uh, we may have already covered it. I'm afraid I've. i We talked about it, and I'll still play what he's got. And then I've got some cinnamons that were sent to me by uh, Mark DeWoodsy. From cinnamon and sentiments. I thought he
1: said cinnamon, and I'm like,
2: no, you, you have trouble. Good
1: that.
2: You have trouble hearing me talk. I think that's the that. You know, cinnamon
1: goes really good in coffee. Did you know that?
2: <laughs> no, yeah. I don't drink coffee. Yeah. Well, what? I, I like coffee. I like coffee about as much as you like coffee. Uh, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> no, no,
0: <laughs> <he's stuck. laughs>
2: oh gosh. Okay, so where I gotta find this uh Mark dewizziac quote. Here we go. And uh now and and Allie, you've met Mark, right?
1: You know what? I have not met Mark, but my dad okay. loves
2: him and he and I have gotten to be
1: friends online and I look forward to day when yes. I can.
2: Awesome. Yes, yes. he has, I, said, I thought uh, he has sent case. me books
1: because I'm a Twain aficionado. And
2: uh, yeah, wow. yeah. We, that's we, cool. we,
1: we've gotten to be friends. So.
2: Yeah, we can't wait for his Poe book to come out that's coming out soon. Um, okay, this is, this is from Mark. Um, I've shared the occasional stories with Allie over the last few years. So I'm not sure what I have and haven't told her. Richard certainly was shy and soft-spoken. Right but he also was very quick and funny, sneaky, funny, sneaky, funny. <laughs> He'd slip a withering, devastating remark into the conversation, and it would take you a second or two to realize precisely because he was so understated. I know I've shared this before, but a close friend of his once paid him a world-class compliment, not to Richard's face, but during an interview with me, I shared this compliment with Richard and he was silent for a few seconds. I asked him if it was, um, if it embarrassed him to be such complimented. I'm not reading this right. Sorry. I asked him if it embarrassed him to be complimented in such a grand and extravagant fashion. He said, no, you can't hear that kind of thing too often. Um, and Mark says he's borrowed that line many times.
1: Well, That's nice. I like that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, uh, I, I remember Mark telling me in a phone call, um, that he was in a conversation with your dad and, and he was trying to remind your dad of a lot of things that he had done. Cause he just had done so much. And I don't know if it was when they were kicking around book ideas, um, or not, but then as, as Mark was telling it to me, it was almost like he was talking, like your dad in that same moment because mark's the same way mark has done so much uh-huh. that it's really hard to follow his train of thought sometimes uh, if he's really extra excited and, and doesn't but anyway i i thought that was really fun to uh, get that comment from mark and l- let me if you guys will let me uh one more thing here i had um uh, i can't remember lost train of thought okay bradley back to you yeah going back to
0: <laughs>
1: i was getting all excited about what it was gonna be all right welcome to
0: middle
1: age my friend
0: yes we were talking about you know your dad and and one of the things oh i guess watching watching halloween town i noticed there was a lon chaney jr reference like slapped in the middle of like a, a kid's movie in the 90s and i'm and, and you know talk about the wolf man and stuff was that you did your dad subject you to uh subject maybe not did you, did wait, you, you...
1: just lost me completely can you backtrack on that
0: yeah go ahead uh there no, was...
1: i got something about the wolf man but
0: wait yeah there was a uh there, i think it was whenever uh debbie reynolds comes in and she, she's with marnie of course i'm oh, mixed okay, okay. And, and and there she brings her bag in they're looking through it to find candy And she finds the pentagram. She said, "Hey, this is the same thing that Lon Chaney Jr. used in the movie to find his victims. This pentagram, and and that was I think that was the first time I've ever I ever heard of Lon Chaney Jr. Uh, And then it was hard to, it was a lot harder to seek out information in '98 or '99 than it was now. Well, I'm
1: sure between Paul, John, and myself, one of us was aware of of that particular individual. So uh, all three writers who worked on that. including myself pretty intelligent pretty well read and well versed in cinematic history so yeah I'm well sure I was, we got it in there
0: i guess i guess the question was more did your did your dad ever show you because that's one thing we talked to uh james rice jeff's rice son who ended up writing Cold Shack, and he would always show his jeff a lot a lot of movies and stuff like and he you know he's a big real big writer so he would try to show him these other things did your dad ever be like hey Let's sit down and watch a classic or let's watch these movies or anything. No, like I that. knew
1: it was kind of like you went along where my dad was going. For example, my dad got me into Harryhausen big time because mm-hmm. he liked Harryhausen. So I just love those movies. My dad got me into Bernard Herman because my dad loved that music. And when we would when I'd be driven around, he would be playing it. So I think that I sort of inculcated various things through my dad's interests, but I have no recollection of, of either of them actually saying, hey, sit down and watch this, but I knew what they liked. For example, they loved Christmas Story. They watched it every year, which was always amusing to me because, talk about a different way for Derek McAvin to go, but they had their regular things. They loved the uh, original Christmas Carol with Al- Alistair.
0: The Alistair um... <laughs> Forgot his oh, name
1: hey, Everybody. <laughs> Alistair what? What's his last name? Um, what's his last
2: name? Dang. I'm not even going to try. Alistair McCormick. No, 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 right. it was, no.
1: You know who I'm talking about. And we love that. Yeah.
2: Song. I, I, I remember just because his first name was Alistair. That's the part that I remember. I, I lost his last name. Uh, I used to
1: know it. I used to well, Anyway, that's how I picked up what my father's and or my mother's.
0: Alistair Sam. Huh? Alistair Sam.
1: How did you say his last name? Sim. Sim.
0: Spe- okay. Spell it, Bradley. Okay. Right. S-I-M? <laughs> yes. Yes.
2: Yeah. Okay. okay. <laughs> so, sorry about that. I think I think there was an H in there somewhere in your pronunciation. Well, still weird, I am he said cinnamon. cinnamon. I know he did, so it's
1: okay. You're both. <laughs> oh, you're close. both. Both Fahooey on this.
2: So. Tangentially. I know. Fahooey. <laughs> okay. Here I got a question. It's I, it's it's come around. Um, what, if any, kind of pets that you guys have around the house? I know you have cats right what now, but with your dad question. and your family, well, because it's it's going to lead into something that he wrote. So well, what did, what kind actually. of pets did you okay, have? Okay,
1: so we have horses. We moved oh, right. to Calabasas because both my sister and I have horses, but where we live was not zoned for them. So I originally was planning to be a cowboy. That didn't work out professionally, but that was my goal at nine. So we had horses. And and what was amusing about my horse was my dad turned part of our stable. We had less horses. My dad turned part of the stable into a private office. And my my horse learned that she could come around by the corral and tap on his door by whacking it with her nose when she wanted dinner. So he actually used her, her name was Kit, and he used her in what dreams may come. In the beginning, she is immortalized. So what did we have? We had a lot of dogs. We didn't do so well Mm -hmm. with cats because we lived somewhere semi-rural. And, well, we'd lose them to coyotes, et cetera. But we had, any any given time, we had like five or six dogs, and my brother had rats, and I had horses. That's what, yeah, that's what we had.
2: Yeah, and I don't oh, know. This... We always
1: had crows. We had two crows from the oh, very cool. beginning.
2: Cool. My wife loves crows. Yeah, my mom we, rescued we... them
1: when they were babies, and we had
2: two crows. Oh, neat. We live next to a couple of churches um, on our dog walk. And um, there's any time it's an overcast day and we see oh. up, um, crows <laughs> up on top of the steeple. Mm-hmm. Love it. I know. A, I love so, them forever. It has sort now. of a dark gothic, you know, yeah. sort of uh, uh, image to it. Uh, well, I think in, I, I don't know about the, the novel, but in the movie, What Dreams May Come, the <laughs> Cuba Gooden Jr. character, yeah, is, is actually his is Robin Williams' dog. Yeah, Katie and Lady, um, who are
1: first dogs.
2: Yeah, yeah. So here, here's my, my statement, and then just to let you know, there has never been, and I haven't read a ton of things, but there has never been any fantasy or sci-fi story that I've read that has ever brought me to tears. Um, It's just, there have been touching things that I've read, and I've enjoyed them. They certainly hit certain emotions. But when I read I Am Legend, and I read about your your dad writing, yeah, Robert Neville's character finding this hurt, dying dog, and the patience that your dad took to show every scene of how he tried to coax the dog to get nearer and nearer to yeah. him to me had to be written by somebody who knows animals yeah, and finally uh, because I've hand. been in that, that same, what's that again? Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. And then dies, know, dies just, just a couple of weeks later, just gets me. Now yeah. the movie, I think with, um, uh, Will Smith. The, 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 yeah, with Will Smith touched on that in a different way. But that certainly made you feel sorry for him and the dog. was an um,
1: movie. Uh, getting-
2: well, the dog gets bit, and that's his only—that's his only yeah. friend, really. Yeah, and when he when he has to, I, I don't know if he has to put the dog down, or you know, has, has sort of an old Yeller moment. Uh, not, not, but still not nearly as good as is I think in the novel that I read. What your dad wrote because right. Bradley knows to the point of sufferingly knows how much I do with my dogs and I use them as my excuse for everything. So, and and it's all pretty much true. Which by the way, today <laughs> I wish I wish there was surveillance cam footage of the interaction that we had with a, a dog that got off of its leash from an owner that ran over to my dog Cooper today. Because I had just picked up Cooper's potty. I had not tied it in its little bag. Oh, we- and I just had it open-handed. So I have Cooper in one hand. You're ready to go. It was a very, very super powerful dog at now he's 77 pounds. And and then this person let his dog go, got off leash, whatever it was, ran across the street to go see our dogs. And you could kind of tell the dog wasn't being vicious, but Cooper isn't exactly the friendliest dog in the world. And so they start to go at it almost immediately. And I'm trying to hold him. My wife has my little um, black Labradoodle who gets really excited and can jump about four feet in the air when it gets excited. So right next to me, this thing happening, the dog jumping up in the air. And eventually, as Cooper kept pulling me forward, he eventually just let go. And, you know, all my, my weight was backwards. So when he just stopped and let go, man, I tanked it down. And I was on my butt in seconds. But were you still and holding
1: so, it is my question.
2: Well, that's, that's the thing. That's the thing. So the guy runs over and instead of grabbing his dog and taking it back over, yeah. I mean, while Cooper is within two to three feet of still snarling and ready to snap this dog in half, this guy says, sit to his dog. He just makes him sit there, and I look at the you know how ludicrous this whole is because I see I'm holding Cooper, and I look over to my hand and I see I'm still holding the potty up in the air like it's a baseball that I ran down the field, you know it's and weapon, caught though. and still showed the it's crowd, weapon. yeah, that I kept it in the air, but then um, I look over at him and I say, "Can you just take your dog away?" and I actually said it that way i didn't scream at him. He, he took away, and honestly, my wife and I were just laughing at the whole thing later because it's just me holding up the potty in the air and that type of stuff. And then we both said the same thing to each other. It's like, why didn't he have shoes on? The owner had no shoes also. I mean, it was cold outside. It was in the 30s. And this guy's in, like, shorts and no shoes, and that's what we came up with. I spent too long on that, but I wish I could get surveillance cam footage of that. Oh, my goodness gracious. I'll, I may edit that out. I may not. I don't know. <laughs> Um, Bradley, you you can tee up another. I'm gonna find Jeff's call. Go ahead, yeah, and uh, we'll see what we do, and we may be getting. So this is, uh, Jeff Colburn is someone who uh, contributes on the shack sites frequently. He is a collector. Collector. He wants to, you know, he's really working out getting the desk lamp that is on Cole um desk in the TV show. And he's trying wow. to basically recreate, I think, the scene with the desk, with the lamp. He wears the hat. He wears the seersucker suit. He has all these things. He goes to the conventions and he will get pictures of himself with other cosplay people. And he's wearing and the here suit. And we were so, going to
1: buy my dad the lamp from Christmas Story. So there you go. Lamp there suit you go. Well,
2: <laughs> Fragility. Okay, but Brother anyway. It's um, Fre- Italian. Yes. It's
1: a major award.
2: It's a major award. Um <laughs> so now, Bradley, we should talk
1: about that one. That one I know.
2: Hey, we'll we, bring you back.
0: We, <laughs> we, we are we are gonna cover that around Christmas. Yeah, uh, so okay.
1: <laughs>
0: Um you know, Go ahead, Brother. <laughs> I know I keep going back to this Halloween town. Uh I apologize for that. But no, I just I had no idea. It's a idea. Halloween it was so episode. It's, okay. no I it's so a, a Halloween episode. I'm way I'm deeper than I knew, Brad. Yeah, oh yeah. What, So I was reading, and tell me if this is true or not, that there was going to be another ending, an alternate ending. Originally the ending was going to be that Marnie supposedly took the talisman into this forest and she grew older as she went into the forest and then put it in a tree trunk or something. Is that true? False?
1: I don't recall. And that's a fact. And I apologize. Um, I just don't recall. But if, in fact, that had been brought up, I can assure you Disney would not have wanted that. That that would have been a little bit too dark, I think. Well, yeah. we lost him. He's gone. That's it. He's out of there.
0: He's gone. Yeah. That you, means, you don't want
1: to talk about Halloween TV no okay. more.
0: <laughs> and and this is another thing I was thinking of. Like the, the very first thing we see Debbie Reynolds in, and she, and she's, she just seems like the lovely She's a lovely person. lady,
1: by the way. A lot of fun Yes
0: she uh so she gets off the the bus and she sort of floats down has a very mary poppins-esque moment and uh she was originally going to play mary poppins or i think was going to but was almost picked over julie andrews originally i don't really know if, I've yeah
1: never heard of that.
0: so i didn't know if that was intentional or i you know i guess it being a disney film you're going to have a little nod here and there well the yeah films.
1: i adore mary poppins it's one of my favorite favorite movies so that's certainly an homage that that I would have been good with. You want to take a look at uh, the series So Weird that we ran for yeah. a few years for Disney. I think you would find it interesting.
0: It, yeah, I'll check it out if it's on yeah, the Yeah, it's called
1: So Weird. And, te- and grab it from the beginning because it's all about a girl's journey where she's going through the, uh, the seeming parapsychological world, but she's learning about the loss of her father and how she grows emotionally and stuff. I think you'd like it. It's yeah, So definitely- Weird.
0: So weird. I'll definitely check that out. Um, so, is there anything else that I want to talk about while Robert's gone? We can get back into Rograts. Yeah, Rats, let's talk
1: about
0: we can. him. You talk about him. Oh, we can talk about yeah, about about, about Robert. Um, yeah, sure. <laughs> I was thinking. <laughs> let's see. So the so you were the showrunner over Rogue Rats for is for four, five, and six? They
1: don't, they don't call it showrunner; they call it story editor. But yeah, story
0: editor. Yeah, for for was it just four, five, and six, or did you before? Uh, that? It
1: wasn't that long because we got nominated for an Emmy for the Rugrats and from that we ended up working got an overall deal with Disney and then Disney sent uh so we got sent side to go to Canada to run so weird for a while
0: oh okay so yeah kind of
1: like boom, boom boom boom, boom, doing different things
0: yeah because I and was we just ended m- up
1: staying in Canada and running series there and
0: stuff yeah well that sort of makes sense now because I was sort of looking in at one point they had a there seemed to be like Rugrats Halloween episodes that I thought were, were really interesting around the time you were writing for them. I think there was a season five episode or season six episode called ghost Story, and it was like it featured all real monsters in it and they sort of pretty much is like a non sequitur episode you didn't get a writing credit on it, but i didn't know if you'd worked on it, but I always found those fascinating like all the the different things and there was a a bo- like the the radio days episode was really interesting that you worked on yeah
1: yeah we worked on that what i always found fascinating was that uh all these grown women would show up in the morning drinking coffee or and or smoking cigarettes and or talking about their men and their kids and like hey, baby, what do you do the life? and then they would set it aside go into the audio room and they'd become the rugrats there were no kids
0: no just not, all these grown women no but the grandpa grandpa is my favorite character he, he he's just always especially the submarine episode that you can't trust a guy selling a used car i don't know was that a pretty good impression i need to go out for voice actor that they already brought it back i don't know if you saw that my god that's abysmal looking i don't you know but
1: know, i i love the voice actors they were really fun yes oh so I, yeah.
0: versatile which that's nothing against them i just don't like the th- why do they gotta have everything 3d i don't
1: know yeah i know things are changing 2d's gone
0: yeah oh and then, okay one more thing robert and then i promise you i will get to you the these it's all good one of the my favorite things as a kid and then i was so excited when i saw this the search for reptar video game i played the heck out of that how how do you go so that i don't know i i, I don't get the writing for a video game seems so much different than writing for a TV show in my mind. Let
1: me tell you this one. I had almost nothing to do with that because my partner at the time, John Cooksey understood that. And it was a long time ago, a lot better than I did. So I just sort of said, this is in your wheelhouse go forth because I didn't, I didn't understand. So any question you ask me about how to write a video game, heck if I know.
0: Yeah, well, you got a writing credit on it, so I was a little surprised. Well,
1: sometimes you get a writing credit. And you no, no, I understand get it, it For understand. being there. Trust me. <laughs> if you look at all the writing credits that Hollywood had, sometimes it's like somebody like somebody who gave them coffee and they gave them writing credit or producer credit. So.
0: <laughs> all right, Robert, you can go ahead. I think my my computer's right. done. I'm Sorry, done. that was a bad answer, but that's a No, no, I enjoyed it. No.
2: Okay. Um, yeah, I've got, I'm going to turn up my volume on here a little bit. There we go. So we'll get that in a little easier. So, yeah, this is the question from Jeff. And let's see if I can get this to play right the first time. You never know. Hi, Robert. I've got a couple of questions for
1: Allie Matheson. First question, what's been your biggest... Oh, I
2: can't hear that. <laughs> okay. You're going to have to... Let me... I'm gonna, I'll am gonna. i turn up my, my, my sound on it.
0: Hi, Robert I've got a couple of
2: questions for Ali Matheson uh, first question what's been your biggest area of growth as a writer and my second question is you know, people might assume that your father was one of the reasons you became a writer to what extent is that actually true and what other factors led you to that path
1: thanks well those are good questions What has changed in my writing is the fact that I have changed, that I started in the 80s when I was young, and I think writers very often write about what they know, at least when you're younger, but as a person gets older, albeit as I've gotten older, and changes, loss, growth, I see the world a different way that I did when I was 25 and I, I hadn't gotten married yet and I didn't have kids and my parents were still around. I see the fragility of life a lot more now. And I think if anything, because I'm, I'm trying to figure out what I wanna do on my next project. Do I wanna write a children's book? Do I wanna do a movie based on one of my dad's short stories, et cetera, but it will be greatly about the emotional journey of the characters about loss about one of them will maybe be going through the loss of his wife and one of you know it's more than just the panoply sure there'll be the fun panoply but the journey the emotional journey will be different because my emotional journey and who i am is different and i've certainly have been through a lot in the last five to ten years absolutely so Mm -hmm.
0: Uh, I think that's Great the answer, answer to
1: that. And the second question, I forgot, what was it again? Uh,
0: how, how much has your, a lot of people think that you got into, possibly think that you got into writing because of your dad. Uh, how much of that is true? And if it's well, and just...
1: true and not true, I have a longstanding interest in public speaking. I got, a, I think it was, what am I telling you, Robert? I got a, a distinguished Toastmaster mm-hmm. award a couple of years back, which is the highest level you can get in public speaking with Toastmasters, which took me years. It was a life achievement and a huge amount of speeches, et cetera. So I literally have no fear of public speaking whatsoever. And I really enjoyed it. it was something that I had considered uh, in a way that, you know, my father would, in Toastmasters, my father would have had a heart attack. <laughs> Basically, it's just not something he ever would have done. Whereas my mother was far more apt in that area. And I also like to sing. And I I have other interests. So am I a bona fide writer? I don't think I'm a bona fide writer, no, because I'm I'm really am eclectic. I have so many different interests. I this is my husband laughs at me because I love to watch videos of rescue tigers now. And I said to him the other day, you know, I should have gone into that as a career. I really like tigers. I could have been like a baby tiger rescue person in his life. You know, as you get older, it's like, okay, when I was eight or nine, I wanted to be a cowboy. That didn't seem to have much of a future as a career. And it's like, okay, I want to be a singer. Well, I tried that. I worked professionally. And then I did this and that and other. So I think my dad was a pure writer. Absolutely. That was who he was. The very essence of him. I don't think it's the essence of me, but that's okay. That's fine. I enjoy a lot of different things
0: yeah that's 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 really good you know, you um, know uh, go ahead bradley you know ali you remind me i guess just talking to you and i know there's there's a lot of different uh i guess there's different nuances and everything you remind me a lot of my mom she uh she oh, really? grew up yeah she grew up she had uh she had i guess older siblings you know she had brothers and she was the only girl of all of her brothers and they grew up in a music household they had you know her grand, my grandpa her dad was real big into music they would he got her into music and they would sing all the time and pretty much that's what she started and went through. And then that's sort of, I came up in music uh, mostly like gospel and we'd go volunteer at nursing homes and stuff like that. Uh, so I don't know what uh, yours was probably more formal. Uh, yeah.
1: Obviously there wasn't gospel in my house at all, but my father played yeah. the piano very well and composed. I didn't know if you knew that he composed music yes. and piano. Mm-hmm. So he would play for me and I would sing. But yes, you were right that you pick up what's uh, what I hate to say ambiance, but what what is the actual timber of your family and what is everybody doing? And I think being creative was what my family was about. But then my sister became a social worker, but she was she's older than me and she was long gone by the time I think we were all getting into writing. So it wasn't something she pursued.
0: Yeah.
2: Well, it really, you know, it's it's bittersweet that we have the advantage of um video. And uh you know, I have a couple things that I captured of my father before he passed and I'm really happy that I still have those few memories yeah. other than, you know, the yeah. the weird times that he first got his video camera and he filmed us eating Thanksgiving dinner. Yeah, that's, you know, you know there's was no conversation. Novelty. It was just eating Thanksgiving. I think he was focusing in on my girlfriend a little too much at the time, in all honesty. As as I've rewatched it, I'm like, dude, I'm not sure I like these angles. Anyway.
1: Listen, my dad got a camera worst photographer in god's creation we went to see the space needle yep close up Close every angle for like 10 minutes we used to watch those movies and owl because he stung or there was our feet how many feet walking over there it was like you know I'm, i wonder sometimes how we wrote movie scripts and did angles and shots because you know i left on his own device not good
2: <laughs> well and and I'm not trying to bring us to a close necessarily, but I think we've we we appreciate your time. We've um been able to cover quite a few things with Colschak, your career, also talked about the Twilight Zone. I guess it's fifteen episodes that he wrote of the Twilight Zone. Or Bradley, do you know that one? Yeah, fifteen or sixteen. Um, you know, quite possibly one of the um, you know, uh most often used writer in there other than Rod. And and I will say we brought up the episode um uh the one with Keenan Wynn and I I heard your dad say that what he liked about Rod so much was that he almost never changed any of the the script. It was always just, you know, the way he wrote yeah. it was the way that Which it was done. was something
1: my father and, appreciated greatly when it happened.
2: Yeah. And and the only thing was in that particular episode the female one of the female actresses changed something just a little bit and he noticed it, but he still was happy still with the the final product of what they did with that. But the, the, the question I'm tiptoeing around though is uh, not the question, but the statement I'm tiptoeing around is this particular um, interviewer also asked your dad, it's like, well, you know, when you're finally done writing and when you go to whatever is your great beyond, what is it that you want people to know about you and be able to say? And and his response was I think I just want people to know I was a storyteller. Oh, like that's that all I much. really need. Yeah, that's all I really need them to know. And I just love that's, that. And you know, it's that's that's just wonderful. I like that. And I and I, yeah, and I would think that you know your household, you know, it, even though you you said your dad's kind of shy and didn't we necessarily were share of his work,
1: stories, we would at night, or when we had dinners together, we would all tell each other stories. Stories that Seriously. make each other laugh. Stories about our lives. Stories oh. of what we've done. Yeah, we were we were storytellers. All of us.
2: I like that. Well, my my scarring uh, that I happened with me in my childhood was when I said we were TA for kids, transactional analysis for kids. My dad was studying to be a pastoral counselor, and this was one of the. Um, uh, books that they were studying, and so we would read through the book at the dinner table that that, w- that was oh boy, it was horrendous just horrendous and you know and the, the the funniest thing about that was you were assigned these roles you know when you spoke, you were the the parent, or when you spoke, you were the adult, or you were the child. You know, and so they would say, "Now, when you said the statement, what were you acting like when you said this?" And they would, ha- and I understood all these things. you used like, that as a movie scene? I,
1: People yeah, would say, I mean, oh, no, really. Well,
2: happen. well, because because here's here's what eventually happened, which was the comedy of it all, which which was you know, luckily it was only comedy. Was my oldest brother was so bored? I think he was fourteen or fifteen. You know, having to sit through these things with the rest of us. Then my other brother would have been twelve, and I would have been nine. And, and he is deciding to doodle inside of his TA for kids book that he had. Go figure. He ends up being a very successful graphic artist I love it. Uh, later, later in life. So there's that. But my dad sees that he's writing in his book and not paying attention to what my dad's doing. And it could have been the scene from animal house where he screams a pledge pin on your uniform. Uh, I mean, it's just, he grabs the book and he tries to rip it in half and he just can't do it. He's like, rrr, rrr, and that just makes him even more enraged. And he yeah, throws okay. it down and storms out of the room. And all I can think to myself is, well, who's acting like the child now? Well, exactly.
1: <laughs> exactly. Yeah.
2: Anyway, why that had to end with a story about me, I don't know. But I I, I just um, have really, because of your post, Allie, um, mentioning about your dad and, and showing the plaque of him at oh, the, yeah, for the uh, Hall of Fame. For the Kolchak group, yeah, um, which I just happened
1: to yeah. so decide doing. I've been mean, with the
2: A. Yeah, yeah. And, and I've always, as I told you over the phone when we had our pre-call, I've always known about your dad. I, I've kind of made this Kolchak's Loop my foray into giving Jeff Rice his credit mm-hmm. um, for coming up with the character and but i i i haven't necessarily looked into your dad so much but since um since doing that with you and having that conversation i've read all of i am legend uh, i've been watching videos of his interviews and i'm just loving every second of it he's a very, so, he's a very
1: interesting man
2: yeah yeah just thank thank you so much for joining us on col loop well if i may we mention you would really appreciate too, if you
1: wouldn't mind
2: please do doing a
1: little reportment for my group online which is you. If you are interested, my dad please come and join us I, in the group i run for him on facebook called he is legend yeah so oh, yes. i think it's an excellent group that gives you uh, a sense of who he was both personally and professionally and we welcome new members i welcome new members
2: are, are there any other projects that you're doing, or any other ways that you want people that you, if you want people to contact you, they can do that.
1: Will they give me lots of money?
2: I don't know. Oh. You have to ask them.
1: <laughs> I'm just trying to be pragmatic <laughs> here. I mean, really.
2: oh, yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> um, you know what? They'll find me on Facebook through,
2: through that site. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Through
1: he is legend, and, and I'm on Facebook, and I'm on Twitter, etc. So yeah, okay. I can be found absolutely. I prefer they didn't Sounds show up at my doorstep, but I live in a somewhat remote area, so it would be a long. Yeah, time. I think not you're weird.
2: safe. We're no, we're not divulging any of that. <laughs> yes, info.
1: but no, they please come in here, legend, and they'll get to know who I am too. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, Bradley, Allie, it's been a pleasure. Like I, I didn't know going into this, uh, just relaying it through Robert. I didn't know what to expect, and uh, I don't know what expectations I had, but you exceeded all those. I really enjoyed the conversation. I hope you will. <laughs> you'll you'll have us back. Oh, I'd
1: like it very much. And I would love to come back uh, discussing Halloween Town again and the, the psychological and deep gradations. I had no idea I was actually uh, doing. And I want to bring my, the co-writer I have because knowing him, he'll probably say, oh, yeah, I was that and more.
2: <laughs> I meant uh, that all the time. I'm a big fan of Plato. Oh,
1: yes. He, he's a very smart guy. He went to Stanford. He's smart as a whip. So if you want to bring us, get both of us around again because this you was know. a lot of fun. I enjoyed it.
2: Well, I think I, I think we should plant the seed then for Halloween Town 2. We need to cover that. That's right. And and what I think we don't, don't don't want to say it now and spoil it, so people can come back to it for us. But what I think is almost a direct reference to a very famous Twilight Zone episode in
1: Halloween Town too.
2: Uh, in Halloween Town too, I'll tell was it you. An At homage so or a recording. ripoff?
1: That's what I know.
2: I think it was an homage. I, think I, I wouldn't call it so much a ripoff. <laughs> Yeah, no, I would call and it no more. by on that one, okay.
0: <laughs> you, know, you know, Robert, but go ahead, Bradley. before we go, you know, bring it up. How many, those two connections to uh, you know, uh, your your father. I mean, he, what all he did he do? He was linked to the Outer Limits, Twilight Zone, Star Trek. We didn't get into that. I mean, he pretty much touched all the bases. A
1: great Star Trek he
0: did. Great. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Yeah, we didn't. Yeah, talk and very much my dad's his... kind of
1: Star Trek. Mm-hmm.
0: The split Which one of the was it again? Yes. And then he says at the end yes. we have to have each other, we can't
2: function. Yes.
1: Yeah, that yeah. again, yes. that's my dad. Was
2: yeah. that was
1: the kind of thing you really interested
2: in. And uh, And if we look at if we look at the psychology of that, Ali, yeah. we can we can study Gulliver's travels. <laughs> and uh <You laughs> and go through Gulliver's show. But it's true. It's true. Okay. <laughs> all all the different uh, you know, cutting the Cracking the egg on the top versus the bottom. Hello, or the the, the, the incredible. <laughs> yeah, no, not even close. <laughs> you got the oversized people and the small people and a lot of horses. They called them Winnems. Anyway, uh, yeah. Uh, no, so I just
0: threw all that and th- threw us off the road. Sorry. I'm just trying to make one quick. Bo- so he's connected to all that in Star Trek. Allie and uh, Halloween Town have two Star Wars connections. Do you know the Halloween Town Star Wars connections? One's pretty obvious. I do. You know a both of them?
1: Question. What? No.
0: Ah. So, once you re- rephrase your question
1: yeah. for,
2: for Alley.
0: So, there, so there are two uh, Halloween Town connections
2: uh, in, in the cast
0: in crew. Two Star Wars. No, there are two cast and crew members who are, of course, have an obvious connection. Well, Carrie Fisher's mom, Debbie Reynolds. That's well, that's yeah. the. Uh, now, the other one is actually a crew member. Possibly higher up. He,
2: you seem to be not so certain of yourself. The director
1: of Halloween Town.
2: Spielberg? Yeah. No. John, John Lucas?
0: I mean George Lucas? <laughs> no. Dwayne George Dwayne
1: Lucas Dwayne Dun- directed Halloween Town. I wonder it's so dirty.
0: <laughs> no. Did not you know that <laughs> Dwayne Dunham? Who Dwayne? Dur-
1: D- what was his say? Dwayne something? Yeah.
0: Dunham. Yeah, he was actually the first on-screen Boba Fett. Really? Yeah, well, True Story.
1: I'm speechless. I can't <laughs> the think of it. Share that
2: next time someone brings up Star Wars, and then I'll you, say
1: you I should have said that. I said, you know, the first thing discussed in Halloween Town at production meetings was we gotta have Boba Fett. We gotta have. <laughs> well,
0: he's gonna have Boba Fett is the direct- <laughs> got be the Boba Fett. But I also think he edited. He edited. Uh, he edited Return of the Jedi, and he worked on the greatest show of all time, Twin Peaks. I like
2: it. You're, you're cutting out. Just say Twin yeah, Peaks? He's the greatest a man show on a minutia a mission. Show. That's what he is right
1: now.
2: Oh, that, is, that, could, that could be Bradley's own podcast, <laughs> yeah, that that's for sure. Hey, but... The minutia. Like Don't you like that? Yeah, let's yeah. do it. I do. It might be a little slower than the uh, the action
1: movies show in Hollywood, but the minutia mission, my dad and I would
0: have watched. Oh, yeah. Well, that is the <laughs> highest compliment I can take. We might as well end it. There can't get better. Break home, Robert. I, I, you,
2: Sorry, you're cutting out. It's, what'd you say? I said, bring us home, Robert. Bring us home. Well, I, I was, I should have ended with the storytelling like thing. Me, so bring us home. Okay. So yeah, but no, really thank you for, for being uh, with us. As I like to say, we call this Shack's loop because it's, it's a one season show. Uh, your dad did a, a fantastic contribution to it with the first two TV movies that were so successful and everybody loved and you know, really, we just start at Cole Shack, and then we sort of go around in the loop for all the influence uh, that that show has has brought. Thank you very much again, and yeah, thank you so to much. You. It was such a such oh, a joy.
0: My
1: pleasure. A lot of fun to meet you guys, and I hope we can do it again soon.
2: We will. Thanks, Allie. All right, bye, Allie. Thank you. Allie. Man, pretty good, you, huh? You, man. Yeah, good, good, good
0: get, Robert. Good well, get. Thank you, Brett good I'm good for some we go on like a god almost one year hiatus and you just like <laughs> pull the biggest guests like ever <laughs>